Hello, everybody. <laughs> we are still in our house. Black Triber. Yes, Hello, Black Triber. Yes. Part six. Part six on our marriage series. Yes. We had a ton of um, people requesting for pre-marriage ideas or dating tips. Dating tips. Yeah. Okay. So we uh, kind of put together a few ideas here, but the, the thing I guess that we really want to get across to people is we get a lot of panicked calls after the marriage has taken place about um, the things that are coming up. And if you do have certain conversations before you get married, you can avoid some of those pitfalls. Now, we also have people that get really upset because they want us to be there on their wedding day. And there's been times we've just not been able to do it. And what we've said to them is we, we may not be there on your wedding day, but we're called to your marriage because your wedding day is just an event. And we should celebrate these things. They're very important, but that should not be the focus. The focus should be the relationship. Yes. So we have tried to listen to a lot, a lot of pre-marriage counseling things. A lot of it's cheesy. A lot of it doesn't really deal with the stuff. Real issues. Um, and um, so we like to get to, to get raw. We like to to equip you with some tools to actually have a good fight, uh, to actually have really good conversations, to actually know what it means to that the, the marriage bed is undefiled and what sex can look like uh, in in your marriage. But those are the kind of discussions you need to have before you decide to marry someone. Yes. And I agree with Lisa on the fact that. Um, I don't know what I agree with you on. You agree with me on everything. <laughs> no, I, we were telling a story earlier today about um, a couple that came to us and they said, um, hey, will you do our pre-marriage counseling? Yes. And we were like, sure. And they said, um, well, the cake that we want is for, uh, $2,400. Yes. And the dress that I want, the, the bride said, is $10,000. And so we were really hoping to get your services for free. Mm-hmm. And my response was, so you, you will invest in butter and flour and sugar to the point of $2,400. But when it comes to actually dealing with your relationship, you want to make no investment at all. Right. And so I said, no, we're not interested, but thanks for asking us. Now there's been people that come to us and said, listen, we are going to have a simple wedding and we really don't have a lot of funds. We're in between lots going on. And will you help us? Yes, we'll help you. But when someone tells me from the first meeting that I value sugar and butter and flour more than I value the relationship that's going to come out of this lifelong covenant that I'm entering with another person, I can't help that. Right. And so it's really important to get this, guys, especially you're pre-married. Don't spend a ton of money on your wedding. <laughs> I mean, it's good to celebrate. It's awesome that family's going to be there. But the ridiculous amounts, it's a billion-dollar Mul- industry. Multi-billion-dollar industry. And, uh, and it's a ridiculous amount of money that we're spending on this one day. That Life is about... The marriage. It's about what happens the day after. And like you said earlier on a, a different podcast we were doing with G42, the veil literally comes off the next day yeah. and now it's for real. And yeah. and now you've, you've got to learn uh, how to be married and what does covenant mean and how does that work? And so we're going to talk about a little bit of that. Yeah. Today. So for people that are engaged or even people that just recently have been married in the last couple of years and things are starting to come to the surface, you can go back at any time and hit the restart button because God designed marriage to succeed. Everything he designs is to be successful. He doesn't doesn't design things to fail. And your marriages absolutely can be successful kingdom marriages, but it's going to take some, it's going to take some communication and some, you know, the, 
best way to start, I think, is before you even start talking to the person that you are engaged to, sit down and write out your core values. Like, what do you value the most in life? If you value family, do you value money? Do you value health? Do you, what are the things that you value? And a lot of people that are out there single right now, I, you know, there's a lot of young women I work with and they're like, I, I like really muscular guys that are adventurous and work out. And I think, well, you might want to go lift some weights <laughs> and if you want to attract a muscular guy. And I, I really, you know, I, I love guys that are studying and they're sages and they, they want to learn more. Well, you might want to start reading some books yourself. And so you will attract to you the same level of health that you're at. Absolutely. And, and, and I do also want to just on the, on finishing my statement that, you know, spend less money, a lot less money on the wedding and a lot more money on the um, honeymoon. We spent three times as much money on the honeymoon. Go celebrate, uh, go, was, go have massive amounts of sex. That's and, 10 days of my life. Yes. In Kauai, Hawaii. And the roosters <laughs> would crow and we wouldn't move. And so it was awesome. <laughs> awesome. But yeah, look, guys, listen, I, Lisa's going to walk us through just some things you can do before you're married. And, and I want to, I want to say this at the very beginning that you want to bring your relationship, any relationship that you're in under the fear of the Lord. And what I mean by that is that it's not that you're afraid of God and that and that it's a religious thing. I, I know our religious mind, especially if we were raised in the church, yeah. we're going to go to a religious mind of fearing God means I need to perform and I need to be moralistic and all the stupid things that we have put in you and said to you in our churches. But the truth is, is the fear of the Lord is that you're in awe of who he is as a father. But he's such a good, good father. He gives such good, good gifts. And he designed our relationships to be under the trembling and the beauty and the grace and the and the awe of the father. And when we do that, Proverbs literally says I could list 50 of these. I taught this the other day in class at G42. But, you know, it says that your law, your life will be elongated. You'll you'll live longer if you're under the fear of the Lord. Your relationships will last longer. Um, this is true for friendship. This is true for any kind of relationship. It says that wealth follows the fear of the Lord. It says that wisdom and understanding follow that. In Isaiah 11, it, it gives us seven markers of um, Isaiah prophesying about Jesus. And the last one, you know, it gives you um, fear of the Lord, gives you counsel. It gives you wisdom. But the last one, it says that Jesus delighted in the fear of the Lord. Yes. And we want you to delight in your pre-marriage. We want you to delight in your marriage. And again, it's not easy. You know, there's going to be fights yeah. and it's okay to do that. But what, what Lisa wants to give you is just some tools of some questions that you can ask one another. And I love that you started there, babe. I mean, what, when we started in our marriage, if we would have known some of this, I think it would have saved us a little pain. The hilarious thing that we never talked about, but was assumed is you assumed like I think most American men do, that I wanted a large house and a lot large plot of land. Yes. And so you were always finding these huge <laughs> houses with huge, you know, five acres or whatever. That was your dream, but we never talked about it. Right. And those were the most miserable days of my life. Yes. I hated the huge houses because I spent my whole life maintaining it. I just basically cleaned and did yard work all the time. And I, you guys enjoyed it, but I never got to enjoy it. And now in the season we're in now, <coughs> I love our little apartment. Yeah. Our little cost. It's really thing. simple. This is our whole living room that you're with yeah, us in here. On, if you're watching us on video. Yes. And I love it. I can clean it in two hours and we can travel. We can do what we want. And it's, <clears> it's just simple living. And I really love simple living, but we never really had a conversation about that. I assumed because when we were dating, I was living in a kind of a small cottage house that you knew that that was something that I valued. 
we never talked about it and it caused a lot of frustration. Yeah, so it did. you have to talk about everything. And I think that people are so wrapped up when they're um, in their pre-married of, of the wedding or um, the romance, which is awesome. Like <laughs> enjoy it. Like that's the, and, and, and you know, the sexual tension and all the beautiful things that happen at that point <laughs> in your life. I hope that's it, not COVID. Anyway, keep going. It's not. Okay. But you did have a Corona. So yeah. That could be. It. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you like it when I got you? Yes. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Um, what was I saying? <laughs> Sorry, I threw you off with my COVID call. Yeah, you yeah. did. Anyway, I think that we just have to go back to the very basics of having conversations that you that is going to affect the rest of your life. Yes. Because we're we're talking to kingdom people that are looking at a covenant relationship, which is very very different than a contract. Okay, so let's talk about that a minute. Uh, most of what we've seen and witnessed in the church and outside the church. And we deal with this all the time. This is how we know this. We're actually experts at this um, because we deal with it all the time. And young people is that they watch their parents be transactional their whole life. So their marriage wasn't covenantal. It was transactional. It didn't work. And their, their, their work was transactional and their friendships were transactional and they would come, they would be with people and be having fun and then come home and talk about those people in a negative way. And so these kids grow up and they say, I don't want to get married. Right. I don't want to go to the right. church. It's all a big scam and a big lie. And so because we've made life about being transactions, that's it. And that's why, again, I've said this a lot and I'll say it, keep saying it. It's why one of the number one suicide rates in, in America now is 50 year old men. Because their whole life was based on transactions. And so when the kids leave and the, and the wife's not enough and, and you're addicted to pornography and all the, the things happen in our lives, uh, we don't want to live in that. And we know that's not a fulfilled life. And so covenant, let's talk covenant. So first, first of all, do you understand what covenant is? Yeah, because, what is it? <laughs> I, and you know, people bring up a lot, like we're going to live together and we're going to see how things work right. out. Well, Horrible idea, by the way. That's a contract. Yes. Because that says, I am going to, we're going to have the weakest possible relationship where we're both consumers from each other. Yes. We're both seeing what we can get from each other and we're going to take as much as we can from each other. But if any point I'm no longer happy, I'm out the door and it costs right. me nothing. And, and that we've seen so many relationships that uh, they live together for, for however many years, months, and then they get married and they're divorced within a year. Because it was all based on it was all based on the on the contract. And what can you do for me instead of yeah? What covenant is is what? How do I serve you the best? Covenant says I am coming to assume responsibility and lay my life down. Yes, completely different than every movie we've ever seen, everything that Hollywood shows us, and everything that we're taught. We're taught you find your soulmate, and then your soulmate meets all of your needs and makes you happy. Yes. That's what culture tells us. And we're wondering why people are disillusioned. Mm-hmm. We're wondering why people are walking away from marriages, even with their, their little kids that are going to suffer for the rest of their lives from the trauma and all the things that come with divorce. It is a ripping and a tearing. And, um, and it's why God says he hates divorce. He doesn't hate it because he doesn't hate the people, the people, he hates it because he knows what it does to his what sons and daughters and not just to them, but the ripple effect of hundreds of others that have to deal with that for the rest of their lives. And, and most of <clears throat> divorce comes from generations. It's a generational curse that you can break. Galatians 3 said Jesus broke all the curses when he died on the cross for us. And so you, you can apply that broken uh, that healed curse that's broken, that curse has been broken in your life of divorce if your parents or your grandparents have been divorced. Yes. But you, again, the reason why there's so much divorce is that it's not covenantal. It's not covenantal. And that God is a covenantal God. He's a covenantal God. And, and love bleeds. Love. Adam was cut into in the covenant. 
Love bleeds. Love always bleeds. So we'll, let's give some practical things about discussions to have. Okay. Is um, if you are engaged and you are looking or you are newly married and you've not had certain conversations and things are coming to the surface, I would first of all start with your own personal core beliefs and what you value in the list of what you value the most and then bring that together as a couple. And like the first thing on mine is always loyalty, right? That's the most important thing to me. You can, I don't care if you buy me gifts. I don't care if you remember my kid's birthday. I don't care. I don't care about any of those things. I I love it when you get flowers and do things like that, because it means you're thinking of me and you do those things all the time. But if you're at any point disloyal to me, about your plant the other day, the plant's alive and kicking, babe. Okay. Yeah. I didn't kill you. Yeah. But for you, it's loyalty. So if, if you feel like I'm being disloyal in any way, it just throws you off. That would destroy me. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what would your number one core value be? Well, I love having fun and celebrating. That's my number two. (laughs) Yeah. I think, um, we, we both love fun. Yeah, but I helped, I had to help you learn how to have fun. Well, I hadn't had any fun for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when we met, I was a single widowed, mom and working, and mom. I hadn't had any fun. And so I got just giddy when we got together. Right. And yeah. you didn't know that we could take a Tuesday night and have a bottle of wine. I know. Incredible I said sex. it's Tuesday. What, what are you doing? This is awesome. No, yeah. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. And we learned how to have fun. If, you, if you're not celebrating together and dating one another every week, your marriage will never work anyway. Yeah. Right? But that's got to become a value that you talk about. We, I want in my, my marriage, I want to date you. I want to keep the freshness and the spontaneity, spontaneity about our relationship alive. I want to be, have childlike hearts towards one another, full of wonder Mm -hmm. and awe and purity, living from our hearts with one another. Those are values that you need to talk about. Yeah. And those are what our children love the most. Children, you know, when they see their parents hug and kiss, we all did when we were little, we all go, ooh. But actually, there's nothing that gives a child, makes a child feel more secure when they see affection between their parents. That's right. We talk to a lot of people say, I didn't even realize my parents were married until they told me they were getting divorced. I never thought of them. Emily, our Emily said to me on the phone the other day, um, she said, Mom, I just realized the last couple of years that you're a person. I only thought you were my mom. And she said, now I realize like you're a person with thoughts and feelings and emotions and dreams. And I was like, great revelation in your late twenties. Yeah. We're having a really great relationship right now because she doesn't only see me as a mom. She sees me as, as a whole person. That's cool. We're having a really fun friendship, but it's sitting down and talking about what you value is so important. Like I never put a dollar amount on what I needed a man to earn, but I always knew that I wanted to be married to a man that loved what he did. Because I knew that a man that was miserable at work was going to be miserable in most of his life. That's good. And so I was willing to do, make huge sacrifices for you to follow your passions and your dreams. Yeah. And I, in that, I want to say, as you're having these discussions around your values and, and what's the most important thing to you moving into this covenantal relationship with someone, um, make sure you're talking about sex. Make sure you're talking about how much money can we both spend without having to talk to one another? Like our limit is whatever it is now, 500 bucks. We don't get to spend that much money, but, um, but we are, we know we're going to have a conversation before we'd ever spend more than a few hundred bucks. But It's not for us. It's not just spending it's giveaway. And And so there's times you'll be in a situation, you call me and you say, I feel like I'm supposed to give this person this money. I'm like, absolutely. Because there's trust there and we've discussed it. But one tip that um, we've given out a lot that really helps young married couples is like some men are really passionate about cigars. Cigars. Or their motorcycle or whatever and, and or golf or whatever it is. And the wife is like, I think that's a stupid waste of money. But some people like me are really passionate about their hair. 
and it's not cheap. Which you just I, spent. I, I have money. a lot. I, I didn't spend any money for four months in quarantine. So Lockdown. price per wear, it was a good investment. But um, <laughs> what we've told young couples is like, whatever your budget is, is give each other each a certain amount of money, like maybe a hundred dollars a month that is just yours. And that hundred dollars a month is just mine. And if I value my hair, I can spend it on that. And you don't have an opinion about it. And if you really value cigars, that's your thing. Everything else should be discussed and have a budget or whatever. But it doesn't matter if I think that cigars are important. If that's something my husband is really passionate about, really loves, I want him to have that. And even though you can get your hair cut for eight euro, which I appreciate. I can't. Right. It is important to me. No, I think so that's huge. Just I, to give each other that wiggle room. And let's bring up motorcycles for a second. Um, I think my, my wife celebrates me having a motorcycle. Now, I haven't had one for a while, and I'm looking forward to having one again one day, potentially in the States. Um, I love motorcycles. And you love it, and you love going on the rides. I know I talk to lots and lots and lots of women who do not let their husbands have motorcycles. And I understand they're they're dangerous, but everything's dangerous. And we've got to live a little bit. He's and so dangerous. If it, it's true, and I hope you're dangerous. We all should be. Yeah, we, we have to live life. We have to have a lust for life. It's okay. I know we've taught you, especially again, if you've been raised in the church, that lust is bad and, and, and living free is bad. And, and, and that's true when it's overcoming your life yes. and when you're addicted to things like pornography. But I, when I say a lust for life, it's, it's, you know, eating that brilliant prime rib steak. You know, with your elegant wife, I love the way Roar describes uh, the lover and um, and you're you've got your beautiful kids around the table with a really good bottle of wine or a nice glass of scotch, covenant scotch. We can talk about that, too, Um, while you're talking about the injustices of the world Mm -hmm. and what's happening in third world countries and the trip you're going to take with your family to go go reverse some of those injustices. Uh, that's the lover. He has a lust for life. He's making love to his food and he's making love to his wife. He just enjoys the things of life. And and you've got to have those kind of discussions with one another. But the discussion that that we had about the motorcycles, I I grew up on motorcycles. I love them. They're not scary to me. I love, you know, you won't let me have my own because that's fair. Because if you guys knew what I did on snowmobiles, you realize I should not have my own motorcycle, (laughs) but we're not going to talk about that. But what I asked you with that was life insurance. I yeah, did. I, I need a lot of life insurance. Mm-hmm. I've been widowed. It's not fun. I, I People can be, die. Absolutely. I can be a rich widow. I don't want to be a poor widow. And I've asked you to wear a helmet. Yes. Just to protect your, your little noggin there. And yes. so we did have a conversation about, I, I want you to have that. I would feel more comfortable if you took these precautions. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So what's some other... Well, thing, the thing that people do not talk about very often is um, basic things like, do you have any debt? A lot of times there's this assumption that you do or don't. And that needs to really be talked about before marriage because that's going to directly affect both of you. Okay. And so if you have student loans, if you have, you you sit down and say, this is my debt, this is your debt, and then come up with a plan on how you're paying those off and have a conversation about finances, which is going to line right in along with your values. Because, you know, if you're living single for a long time, like we have people that are, you know, getting married in their late forties or late thirties, early forties, you have been in control of your money and you've not had to have a conversation with somebody about how you spend your money. And you may not think it's going to be a big deal, but I like I, the way I was raised was my dad did all the plumbing. He did all the carpentry. He, we, he taught us girls how to change the oil. He taught us how to change our tires. My dad never paid anyone to do a service. 
And so when I was first married to my first husband and he wanted to go pay to get the oil changed, I was like, why would you do why that? Why would you do that? Yeah. We can just go out in the driveway and do it right now for right. five bucks. And we never talked about anything like that. It's just like, what do you value? Now, of course, I think your time and being greasy is worth 20 bucks to pay someone else to do it. But those are conversations you have to have because he wanted to pay to get a car wash. And I was like, why would you pay to get your car wash when you can do it in the driveway? Because of the way I was raised. You do whatever you, my dad always said, you don't pay anyone to do something you can do yourself. My attitude of that has changed considerably as I've gotten older, where my value, how I value my time, I'd much rather pay someone often to do something well, that takes a lot of time when I could be writing or doing something it's else. It's that and just because I suck at being a mechanic. Yeah, well, we I'm don't not even, good at it. No. My dad, my dad did change his own oil and he would invite me to do it. But one of the first time I'd screw up, he just pulled a wrench from me and do it himself. Everybody in your generation had that story. Well, it's true. And I, I and I never did learn learn how to really do, I, I know how to do it, but I'd rather pay somebody because my time is valuable. We have many teachers. But we have to have those discussions. We have many teachers. We have not many fathers. Yes. And the other thing you have to talk about is children. Not just do we want to have children, um, but how many children do we want to have and who's going to take care of them? Yes. Because um, I <laughs> I like to take care of my own children. I also love to work outside the home, but when they are small and they are dependent on me, I want that to be my priority and I want to create a nurturing home and it's very important to me. And so that goes along with finances, that goes along with priorities, that goes along with your, your, your values. values. Yeah. You also value me keeping, you know, the home running so you go do what you want to do. But that was a conversation we had to have. wanted, but had to go do. Yeah, I'm sorry. You had some crappy jobs, but but you had to provide for your family. And so you were doing your part and I was doing my part. I kept the house running and, and we didn't have any conflicts with, we both valued that. Well, and I, I think <clears throat> it's who does it better. I mean, you're a much better parent than I am. True. <laughs> and and so if, if, if there's men and listening, you make a lot more money than I can. Well, yeah. But if you're, yeah. if there's men listening and you're, you know, you, you as a lady have an incredible career, yep. uh, man, stay home and Raise the kids yeah. if you're really good yeah, at it. Absolutely. That's good. That's a brilliant thing. We know thing. a lot of couples that do that. All the old stuff you've been told about that is stupid. Roles, it's out the window. Roles don't matter. All it's, that matters it's, is It's kind of like when you're discussing your finances. Who's really good with finances? That's the person that needs to do the yeah. finances. The man doesn't need to do the finances every time. In my home growing up, man, we all tried to leave every time my dad was going to reconcile the checkbook. Because in those days, we, there was these things for our young people called checkbooks. And you had to like write ledger and write a thing. Um, because he'd get so angry. He just wasn't good at it. He just hated it. And so he got mad at everybody for spending money. That, and we were wealthy in some of that time. So yeah. um, you've got to discuss how do the finances work? How, how are we going to do this? And whoever is better at it, and I, I think it's great to do them together, but who's ever better at it, that's who should be doing it. Well, we've learned like what I'm good at and what you're good at. And we've had those conversations, but then we always bring each other in. So you're doing some investing now and I can look at it at any time. Right. You know, and I love that you carry the weight of that because I don't like carrying the weight of that. And, but we do have to talk about like, what was that? Like, how much do we want to invest? What do we want to invest in? And I think that's something that you can both pray into and both be a part of, even if, the, even if one is kind of carrying that, but you've got to have all those conversations. And then the thing that people don't talk about a lot and they don't think it's going to be a big deal is the in-laws. Oof. Dun, dun, dun. There are some people that their family of origin is 
everything to them. Yeah. And they are incredibly close to their siblings. They're incredibly close to their parents. Beautiful, beautiful thing. But if you're marrying someone that has not had that kind of experience, nor maybe wants that experience, maybe doesn't want the in-laws to be that involved. Those are really important conversations to have. Like scripture is pretty clear about leaving and cleaving, which I've said many times. I do think we need more mothers walking their sons down the aisle because mothers have a hard time getting, letting go of their sons. My rule as a, as a mother of adult children is, you know, my sons, that's your queen. I am not your queen. That is the most important woman in your life. It is not me anymore. That's the person that you make decisions with. I'm just here to support and love you guys. And mothers need to do that. They yes. need to release their children. <clears throat> release and fathers control. need to release their children. Yes. And the way that the, the engaged couple or married couple needs to honor that is you do not bring your parents into your personal issues. No. And listen, again, we're experts at this because we deal with this all the time with young couples and young people where we find, you know, there's soul ties that you have with your parents. And, you know, if it's the woman and she's got a soul tie with her mom, that's going to get in the way of her husband all the time. And so you've got to get real about breaking those soul ties. And it makes your relationship with your parents better when you do break that. Yeah. And what I mean by soul tie is simply if you think of your mom or your dad when you're making a decision before you do God or your spouse, you have a soul tie with your parents. And Jesus made it very clear. You leave and cleave. Mm -hmm. You you leave your, your family of origin and you cleave to your spouse and your new family of origin that you're creating. That doesn't mean you're cutting your family out. That doesn't mean you're not going to Christmas and doing the things. But here's another really good piece of advice. I'm going to give this for free. Oh. Is um, don't sp spend more than three days with your extended family. So if you're newly married and you're going home for Christmas or your whatever the, the occasion is, Make it about three days and then leave. After three days, things start going downhill pretty quickly. And, and you know, we always I always get those phone. I've got three messages I have to return right now from young brides and they're living with their in-laws because they need, you know, save money or whatever. Yeah. And they got this big basement. It's going to be great. We get along great. And then after, you know, they live together, I'm like, why? Why is this not working? Well, there's only room for one king in a household and there's only room for one queen in a household. Yes. And whoever's paying the mortgage and has the master bedroom is the king or queen. And it's very difficult to be a grown adult and living in your parents' house. How do I the would, Mormons do it? I would rather live in a studio apartment with just you and one couch and one chair than live well, with anybody kind of else. Are. I kind of yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> That's but, what we're doing. That, that I would value that way more than having more room or saving money on something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's good. It's really good. It's more important. What else? Holidays. Oof. And, and traditions. Okay. Um, this is I've something... Got a, I've got a pretty good teaching on this. So I want to hear what you have to say. Uh, I'd love to hear what you have to say. I think that um, these conversations need to take place because, of course, as we were raising our six children, we we hosted all the holidays and everybody came to our house. and It was great. As our kids started getting into high school and college, they started wanting to go to their significant others for um, for the holidays, you know, for I've been invited to so-and-so's house for Thanksgiving or whatever. And then we moved out of the country and our kids definitely had to figure it out. It was really hard for me at first because to me, that was a gathering that was so important and it was a family day. Well, you love Thanksgiving. We love that. I love all the holidays. I think they're amazing. And I think the reason we love holidays, what's great about holidays is there's a table and there's communion and there's family. And those can be really good things. They can also be the worst days of your life. And as you establish your own family, you've got to have conversations and parents let your kids do this. I was talking to our 
all of our kids the other day. And I said, you know, we're the chances of us all converging on one house for a holiday is almost, it's going to get more and more impossible as everyone gets married and they have kids. Now I don't care. I don't care if I spend Christmas day with my granddaughters and it's actually, you know, December 23rd. I just want to be with them yes. and they need to go to their other grandparents. Truly I want to honor that. You can't, yeah. It's not the day. It's the event. And we've had to, with living internationally and stuff, really learn how to be flexible with that. And you have to understand what is the point of the holiday. If the point of the holiday is to get together with family and celebrate, you can do that on any date. That's right. That's and good. to put pressure really on good. young married couples that you have to be at your mom's mm-hmm. house Christmas day. Cause we've always done that. Well, what about the, what about the young man's mother who also feels that way? Now our, now our adult children in their marriage are in a position where they, they're trying to please both sides of the family. Yeah. And you can, and you got to determine like what, what this actually looks like. And I, and so what, and then on holidays and traditions, I think a really good rule to follow around traditions is start, stop and continue. Okay. And so when you're cultivating leaving and cleaving and you're you're just establishing a new marriage. So if you're pre-married right now, if you've been married a year, two, five years, if you've been married a long time and have kids, you're going to want to know these kind of things. So um, start really cool new traditions in your new family, your new little origin of family as a as a young married couple. Start traditions. Uh, one of ours Simples. is. Really yeah. simple things. We got stuck in Arizona on a family vacation one time on Christmas Eve and nothing was open except for a Japanese China. restaurant. Asian, yeah. <laughs> I think it was an Asian buffet that wasn't good the first yeah. time. I think we all got sick. It but. was Asian buffet <laughs> with Japanese and so it was a combination. And so we all probably got sick, but we I don't think we've ever missed no. a Christmas Eve eating Japanese food. Now we live in Spain, our kids are around the world, whatever. So they take pictures of that night They've carried it and they, and they now. send them to us on Christmas Eve. And so, and if we're together, that's what we're doing. And, mm-hmm. and we like to go see a movie on Christmas day together. And we've done that. It's a cool tradition that we do. Um, so you got to come up with really cool things for a long time. Uh, especially as the kids were young, we would do a turkey bowl every year. And everybody oh, yeah. knew in the neighborhoods and around Colorado Springs, go to Black's. Uh, there's a football field by our house. And we had a big turkey bowl every turkey. And it was awesome. And six-year-old men were knocking <clears throat> over six-year-old little boys. And it was so fun. Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah. And all the girls came out through snowballs. At us. Anyway, it was yeah. just a... But that was fun. Now, there are traditions that you want to stop that didn't bring life to you and um, how you grew up in some of those family cultures. And so stop those. If you didn't find life in those and it's just become kind of a religious... Something we just do. We just do. Yeah. Stop them. And then continue... The ones that did bring you life. You know, what were those some of those traditions growing up that that you just loved that that happened every year with your family? Yeah. Bring those into your new family and continue those and let that continue to bring life through the generations. It, it helps with conversations with grandparents and grandchildren, and it just keeps the family flowing. And so it's, it's important about traditions and it's important to make them. And I, I just want to encourage you to it's do that. It's funny that our kids, that's so important to them. Of everything we did as a family, our traditions are like, they will not let those go. They do not let them go. I mean, that Japanese on Christmas Eve, they will not let it go. And I love that. It's Christmas Day. Christmas Eve is when we open the house. So here we go. We always had to save like a thousand dollars just for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. It was yeah. so expensive. Yeah, to do that's right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, Christmas it was Day. big. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then if you are currently um, engaged or you're going to get married or you're, you're starting to date seriously, you need to start having some conversations about what we want this to look like. Is this a non-sexual relationship until we get married? Do you value that? Some people value it more than others. And so if you don't have that conversation, 
Um, and, and maybe one is like, I definitely do not want to have sex until we're married. And one's like, I don't think it's that big of a deal. That's going to be a point of contention constantly. And you've got to have a conversation about what our boundaries are and what we want that to look like. And can I encourage you? It is stupid to have sex before you get married. I did it when I married my first wife. It was terrible. I, I got them. She was pregnant out of wedlock and it destroyed many, many years. I lost many years of my life because of that one stupid decision. And, um, and I, I just, it, the covenant isn't casual sex mm-hmm. and covenant sex isn't casual sex. Covenant sex is incredible awesome. and completely new levels of different mm-hmm. things that happen. And in, in casual sex, it's like you can do that with anybody. And so what makes it special about right. your marriage? And so, man, I highly, strongly encourage you to, if especially if one of you says, look, I value this and I don't want to have sex, man, honor that. Yeah. And in fact, I, you know, have one young guy here that kind of broke out yesterday in class and he's not even let his lips touch anyone except for the woman that he's going to marry uh, because he just values that kind of purity and grace. And he wants to save every good thing for her. And man, I, I love, I honor that. And that I, I wish you feel so loved as a woman. Yes, uh, exactly. I am loved that way. That would make me feel really cherished and loved. And again, you, a lot of you listening have had premarital sex and there's, so there's no condemnation. It's like no, God can not. wash that and you're fine and break the shame of that. Um, we have to work with young people all the time that have had sex before marriage to break soul ties with those people, to, to get rid of the shame of that, to walk them through forgiveness of themselves. Uh, it doesn't cause anything good except for that one moment of pleasure, which, again, uh, if it's in covenant, it's a whole different level. So can I even share a statistic about that? Please. I found so one of the my favorite if you if you're looking for some books to read just because if you're a woman and you want to understand men which I highly suggest you do. And if you're a man, you want to understand a woman, there's a woman named Shante Feldman and she does all these, these studies, like thousands and thousands of people. And it's not just Christians, it's across the board, business people, older people, um, single people. And she asks questions and does surveys. And the, the survey she did on premarital sex said, um, 82% of women that had sex before they married, even if their future spouse became more clingy and insecure in the relationship mm. after the first so, time they had sex. So they have sex before marriage mm. and 82, 82% women become clingy, eight. more needy. Yes. And, well, and they sense. felt insecure. And that was one of my values is I wasn't ever willing to give something to a man that wasn't willing to give me everything. Mm. Because when a woman gives her body to a man, she's, she's saying, I'm giving you my most cherished sacred gift. And we expect undying love, you to slay dragons, you to fight for us, you to cover us, protect us, all these different things. And when that doesn't happen, it is devastating to most women. And then 70% of young men um, reported that they lost respect and intrigue for the person they were dating after they had sex. I guarantee you that's true. Now, why is that true? Because it's the hunt. We steal the hunt from our kids by giving them what they want instead of having them go earn it and get it themselves. Mm-hmm. And then we steal the hunt. Uh, you women, when you give in to us as men and we're not married, the hunt's over. I, I, I conquered what I was trying to get in the first place because an unredeemed man, a little boy in a 40 year old body who's never gone into the second half of life. All he's thinking about is having sex with a woman because that's how he sees them. Yeah. A redeemed man, a man at 30 that's gone through transformation and, and wants to better himself as a man. 
he becomes a man and he sees you as a woman, he's not going to want to disrespect that. Yes. So what happens is, is when you allow them to just use you like that, uh, we just lose respect. Cause the hunt's would over. you say, is it fair to say that's primal? It is primal. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I think it is. Too. It's unredeemed. Mm-hmm. And so unredeemed men are boys and boys want to have sex. Mm-hmm. Uh, men who are transforming and becoming more like Christ, uh, they, they value sex as a covenantal mm-hmm. gift instead of something I can go take. And girls, when you give it to them, they've taken it and they're done. I'm surprised it's not higher than that. 70% surprises well, That's me. what they report. Yeah, I'm sure it's higher than that for sure. Yeah. So those conversations about what you value um, and, and what that's going to look like for the rest of your life are just crucial. Those are just some conversations you need to have. But if you're single right now and you're starting to date or look around, we have a lot of people that have recently come to us and said, I'm going to do an online profile. I was like, go for it. I, I don't think there's any rules of good, bad, evil, whatever. Um, I think we all want to be in a pool where there's like-minded people. Yeah. And if I'm a, a single woman who's seeking after the kingdom, probably, you know, if I'd say, Hey, I'm going to go to a bar and, you know, I might meet a really good looking guy there. What's he there for though? What is, what is a guy that's going out to He's a bar to with his buddies? So yeah. that's, it's a, you know, a lot of women come to me and say, well, where am I supposed to find them? And I mean, it's a really valid thing, but as you, um, I think, you know, you heard about me and my reputation before you met me uh-huh. and I was doing what God called me to do on the earth. I was working in the inner city. I was, I was counseling. I was taking care of people and ministering to people and caring for people. And you heard about what I was doing before, before you ever met me and you were intrigued by. And then I came and hunted you down mm-hmm. and I conquered you woman. And that that is really real though, that this is going to start with a physical attraction. Yes. And I know people don't like that and they think that's shallow, but that is a primal thing that we are. The first thing we're going to see is whether we're physically attracted to somebody or not. Now that can fade out real quick if they open their mouth and they're stupid. Well, and for you, it's pheromones too. I do have to, I do love the way your skin smells. Yes. Yeah. Pheromones are important. And yeah. so, so if I was single right now and I was doing internet dating, I would be like, yeah, this is interesting. We're having a great conversation. Um, but until I smell you, I don't know if that's going to work. Yeah. I, I, it wouldn't matter what your picture looked like. If our pheromones don't connect. Okay. And you can smell me all day. Oh, I so love me. it. Yeah. I like my hair. Why do you, why do you, like you always smell my hair? I, I like hair. Pheromones are in hair, babe. I like hair. I like okay. Hair. Okay. Right. So. Final words. Let's, let's wind this thing down. I think the final words for this younger generation were, I'll be 50 in oh, two weeks. Wow. You're 54. In um, September. Okay. Right. Am really? I really? Yeah. I think I'm 53. <laughs> we don't know how old we are. Um, this is the, the biggest lie. I think that's, that's landed on the generation of people that are engaged or dating right now is that nothing's worth the wait that, I, I want what I want and I should have it now. And we have given that to you. We've made you that way. We've yeah. given you computers. We've given you McDonald's. We've given you phones. We've given you everything that says you can have it right now. And we have a whole generation of people that are dissatisfied and hopeless. Yes. And that's our fault because we, we put so these in your face. Please forgive us for that. Forgive yes. us for that. This is not your fault. But I think the hope has to come back to, is there something better and greater and the difficult things in life and the things that you really put a lot of energy into and really try and do well are the beautiful things in life. Yes. Beautiful things in life usually don't just fall on your lap. 
Mm. They're usually the things that you really cherish and you really treasure and are sacred. And so to invest ahead of time and really make this your job. Yeah. If this is really, if you want a successful marriage, God has set it up and given you everything you need. And he's given you all the ways that, that this can be a safe, healthy covenant for you. If you follow his, his laws that he, he put the parameters around us to protect us, not to hurt us. Right. If you do that, you can have that. So why would you not invest? And why would you not take the time and get the, the payoff though? However, that's the thing I think people forget when they're waiting or they're frustrated or whatever. There is a huge payoff. There, there is. is a huge payoff for a, a healthy covenant relationship that will go on for generations. Those that wait upon the Lord do what? Renew their strength. They mount up as wings as eagles, right? They they run and they're not weary. That That's your marriage. If you can wait in your heart and, and be patient and ask for purity, say, God, I, I need a pure heart in my, your heart, your heart of purity in my heart, because my heart wants to run. It wants to conquer. It wants to have sex. Say, Father, give me your heart of purity. And you wait. And I, I'm telling you the strength and the beauty that comes from that. And guys, you blink and six months is gone. You blink and two years is gone. Think about two years ago and what you were doing. And so wait for that person. And I promise you, God has a person for you. You're going to intersect and meet them if you're waiting on them. So if you want to go deeper, we're, we're, um, we'd love to. And so GaryLisaBlack.com, you can go in there and sign up for some marriage coaching, uh, pre-marriage, um, post-marriage, some bad things happening in your marriage right now. Um, go, just go in there and, and click on and we can set something up. It's all automated. It's very simple. Uh, join our Facebook group, um, all things re- marriage relationships on Facebook. Uh, you, we have to invite, we have to allow you to come in, but just, get, just send an invite in there. Um, and then our Patreon, we have a $10 level Patreon now, patreon.com slash Gary and Lisa Black, where we're going to send some of these notes and we're going to send these videos. Uh, we're videoing our podcast now to that uh, on every Wednesday. And so guys, we love you. We're proud of you, man. We want you to thrive and your marriage was created to be successful and you, we need each other Mm -hmm. for that to happen. We need community and tribe and life for that to happen. And so we're all for you in Jesus name. We bless every pre-marriage. We bless every marriage. Mm -hmm. We bless everybody that wants to be married. Father, we ask those that maybe are called to celibacy that they, they would settle with that and be okay because that's a really good thing too. you say in the word. And so father, we just say we bless all relationships in Jesus name. Amen. Thanks guys. We will talk to you next week.